I want to share on a topic, and everyone's going to be like, dude, that's what you do, like, so cliche. But I'm going to talk on worship. And um, the reason is, is because we're all called to worship God. And not just here in this building. We're called to worship God in our lives. And, and worship's not just a song. It's not just coming to church, singing four songs, going home, listen to Hillsong or Bethel or whoever you listen to. That's not just worship. That's just a small part. Worship is our life. And worship is our lifestyle. And worship is something we bring an offering to God. And Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12 says this. If you have your Bible, you can get it on your phone. It says, so be made strong even in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship and strengthen your weak knees. So I think the Bible is very clear that we need to worship. Not only is it to worship Him and to bring glory to Him, but it also strengthens us. It strengthens our weak knees when we're feeling down, when life's not going exactly according to our plan. Worship strengthens us. It strengthens you. Psalm 134 verse 2 says this, Lift up your hands in holy worship. Come and bless the Lord. And you know, that's why when we lead worship here at church, and we say, come on church, lift your hands. It's not a religious thing. It's not a religious act of, yeah, come on, lift your hands. This is what we do in worship. The Bible actually says, lift up hands in holy worship. Come and bless the Lord. So not only does worship strengthen your knees, it also allows you to stand and to worship Him in His holy place. I want to share a story this morning on the song Amazing Grace. We all sing Amazing Grace, we all know it. But I want to give you a bit of a backstory on Amazing Grace. The song Amazing Grace was written in 1779, which makes the song 240 years old this year. John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace, he was in the Royal Navy. And after leaving the service, he became involved in the slave trade. While aboard the ship, the Greyhound, Newton gained notoriety for being one of the most profane men the captain had ever met. In 1748, a violent storm battered the vessel on the coast of Ireland, so severely that he called out to God for mercy, a moment that marked his conversion. He continued in the slave trade until 1755, when he realized his life that he'd been living is not the life he was meant to live. When he ended his career in the Navy, he began studying Christian theology at the age of 30. He became a minister in a small parish in the village of Olney in Buckinghamshire in the southeast of England. The people in the church were mostly illiterate and many of them were poor. Newton's preaching was unique in that he shared many of his own experiences from the pulpit. Many clergy at the time preached from a distance and not admitting any intimacy or temptation with sin. He was involved in his parishioners' lives and was much loved. Although his writing and delivery was sometimes unpolished, but his devotion and conviction were very forceful. He often said his mission was to break a hard heart and to heal a broken heart. He struck a friendship with William Cowper, a gifted writer who failed at a career in law and suffered from insanity and attempted suicide several times. But these two men got together and wrote the most famous worship song of all time, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch like me. It was once written, it was written by a slave trader, a God hater, 
someone who was marked as insane and attempted suicide. He had somehow managed to pen the most sung worship song of all time. 240 years later, we're still singing it. And why? I think it's because it's a song about grace and that we need his grace. That not one of us are perfect. All of us have past, but it's his grace that is so good. So that song, Amazing Grace, that's why it's sung today. And that's why it'll be sung in 100 years. Because it's a song about his good grace. That saved a wretch like me. That I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. What an amazing lyric that was written 240 years ago. So that's why in worship we need him. We all need him. We all need him in our worship. We all need his grace. Because guess what? We're all wretches. Do you know what the word wretch means in the dictionary? A despicable, a vile person. That's what wretch means. And you know what? I'm, everyone's a bit, look a bit glim today. But that's us. We're all despicable. Despicable me, the movie, right? That's us. Despicable me. We're all despicable people. But it's only by his grace that we're made well and we're made whole. So number one, worship does something in you. In 1 Chronicles verse, chapter 16, it says this in the message. Sing to God, everyone and everything. Get out his salvation news every day. Publish his glory among the godless nations, his wonders to all races and religions. And why? Because God is great, well worth of praising. No God or goddess comes close in honor. All the popular gods are stuff and nonsense. But God made the cosmos. Splendor and majesty flow out of him. Strength and joy fill his place. Strength and joy fill his place. That's not just in this building. I want you to hear that this morning. That's what I'm trying to articulate today. Worship is not just in this building. You know, when we give God our worship, when we walk out these doors, God is honored. And it does something in you. You know, worship shrinks our problems and magnifies Him. It shrinks our problems and magnifies Him. You know, um, for a few years now, like a few of you know the story, I went to hospital about six years ago now for some heart surgery and um, it never got fixed properly, right? And I went through this crazy season of anxiety. I've never felt it before, never was weirded out, didn't know what it was and it was a crazy hard season for me. But you know what was amazing is when I started to worship in the dark night, my problems started to get smaller. And I realized the other day why I was so anxious. I was actually scared of dying. I actually was freaked out about dying. But you know, I can tell you right now, I couldn't care less. And I think the devil wants me to think that, but I'm not going to think that because God is so good. He's got a plan for each and every single one of us. So don't fear, don't fear. Shrink those problems by worshiping him. Shrink the problems. Worship God. Let his joy fill you. Magnify him. You know, in Acts chapter 16, the story of Paul and Silas, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and get this, singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. 
Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, talk about being in a problem. In prison, shackles, whipped, beaten, and yet they chose to worship. They chose to worship. Like, we're not in prison right now. We don't have shackles on our feet physically. Sometimes emotionally, spiritually we do. But I'll tell you what breaks those shackles is worship. Singing hymns to God. I don't care if you can't sing. Sing. That's what, the, that's what the Bible teaches us to do. You don't have to be a worship leader to worship. You don't have to be on creative to worship. God's called each and every single one of us to worship Him in our day-to-day lives. And you know, it doesn't mean our lives are perfect. It just means when there's a bump in the road, well, what we choose to do with that. Do we choose to worship and magnify or do we choose to look at the problem? And my encouragement for you today is this, is worship when you don't feel like it. Worship in the dark nights. Worship in the dark seasons. And you watch the shackles come off. You watch the chains break off. Number two, worship is a lifestyle. It's not an event. It's not an event. You know, corporate worship is important. And it talks about it in the Bible. And in John chapter 4, verse 23, it says this. For here on, worshipping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshippers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. So it's not the place where we worship. It's the heart for the worship. Corporate worship, what we're doing today is great. We come in, we celebrate, we jump, we lift our hands, we sing about how good, he, how good he is, that he leaves the 99 for me. We sing about his reckless love. He chases us down. Yeah, it's great. I love corporate worship. But it should never replace the heart of worship, which is in all of us. So as soon as you walk out these doors today, where's your heart at with him? On the job site, at the uni, at the school, heart of worship. You know what's amazing is having a heart of worship is more than just singing in the car, in the church. It's a lifestyle. Do you declare that he's good? He's so worthy of our praise, no matter where we are. You know what's amazing about Paul and Silas? Is that the jailer said to them, what must I do to be saved? They didn't preach. They weren't on the street corner. They were worshipping. And someone noticed their worship and was about to kill himself because he thought they'd escaped. And then he said, what must I do to be saved? So your worship can impact your family, your unsaved friends, your unsaved school friends, your unsaved work colleagues. Your worship can do that. It doesn't mean you walk around going, there's no shadow, you won't light up. Mountain, you want, and just sing like this. It doesn't mean you do that. It's called a lifestyle of worship. A lifestyle of honoring Him in your heart. Having a right heart for Jesus. 
And your people will notice you. People will see a change in you when you have the right heart. You know, this morning, um, I'm going to sing a song. Um, don't all run out the doors. I'm just trying to... Is everyone okay this morning? It's a bit quiet. That's why I said that. Um, it's an older song. Some of you might know it. Some of you might not. Um, it talks about a heart of worship. And uh, after that, Benny's going to get up and finish the message today. But I wanted to encourage you today. Worship with a right heart, with a true heart. It says in spirit and in truth. That just means real. That's the way I interpret that. A real heart for Jesus. Amen. So we're going to sing this this morning. You can stay seated. everyone all good? When you close your eyes. When the music fades, all is stripped away. And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's above That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required search much deeper within through the way things are into my heart what do you sing coming back to heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Coming 
about you, Jesus. Sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, but it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. Cause it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Coming back. What do you sing? It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Oh. Sorry, Lord, for 